I'm Ryan Miller, Crops Extension Educator. Earlier this morning, we recorded an episode of the Strategic Farming Field Notes program. Strategic Farming Field Notes is a weekly program addressing current crop production topics. A live webinar is hosted at 8 a.m. on Wednesdays throughout the cropping season. During the live webinar, participants can join in the discussion and get questions answered. An audio recording of the live program is released following the webinar via podcast platforms. Thanks, and remember to tune in weekly for a discussion on current cropping and crop management topics. So uh, with that, I'd like to uh, turn the program over here uh, to uh, talk with uh, Dr. Serangi a little bit. Uh, Devlin is going to be heading out to the Lamberton, Western Minnesota area here a little bit this morning, uh, later after the program. So we wanted to go with him first. And uh, Devlin, we uh, certainly have had an opportunity here uh, for early season weed growth to be a little bit slower than we normally would expect it to be. Um, you know, we have noticed a lot of fields that are still looking clean because we've had tillage fairly recently. So we're kind of using that old adage, I guess, that three-legged stool of, uh, in this case, maybe inadvertently, of uh, going with the, with the tillage late in the season. And we sometimes talk about that over giant ragweed and other things. But it seems to be the case. But I, I guess we shouldn't be fooled with the standpoint that that's going to last uh, season long here. Uh, we'll still need effective uh, pre-emergence herbicides as we go forward. So I know that you've been thinking about this and writing about this, and we'll talk about a crop news here a little bit later. But what are your uh, recommendations going forward here in terms of that? We've got corn up uh, in a lot of places, some places spiking through. A lot of places, the soybeans may be cracking a little bit, but by and large, a lot of areas, the soybeans have not yet emerged. So uh, your thoughts a little bit on uh, early season weed control, Devlin. Yeah, Dev, thank you uh, uh, for inviting me today. So um, yeah, you, sh you wish show that weed will uh, be a little slow in uh, growing, but yeah, you know, like there are multiple species. Yeah, some of them are coming a little late, but some of them are already up. And another thing I have seen, which is very important thing I want to mention here, like uh, with all the moisture in the soil, if you are doing a tillage, sometimes some of the weeds that you were like doing tillage and thinking like they will get, you will get rid of them, they get reestablished in the soil with the moisture. So last week, I wish I can share that picture here. So last week I was in Rosemont area and I found the farmer did uh, tillage just like a couple of days back and the uh, woolly cup grass and some foxtail, those weeds are getting reestablished with all the moisture and things. So uh, this is something really important thing. And again, like I agree with you, Dev, like um, pre-herbicide is really important. And still now we are talking about, yes, please think about pre-herbicide because uh, that's one of the herbicide will give you the strong foundation and then you can come back with your post-emergence program. Uh, so, but again, like this year, we are also talking about applying post-emergence a little early. I mean, a little early in the sense of uh, planting date. So we are already in late May, early June. And if we do our planting now, if, if we put our pre, then we should come back with our post maybe in uh, two weeks or 14 days time because uh, if we wait too long uh, there will be a lot of risk because some of, with all the moisture some of the weeds will grow bigger so you cannot control with your post program 
and also uh, some of the herbicide, for example, Flexter, uh, you'll have uh, more carryover injury uh, uh, chances in next year if you apply that very late, like let's say uh, mid-July or something. So uh, we are talking about early post this year in respect to the planting dates. Well, you know, in that situation, when we talk about... Uh... Uh, making our weed control efforts. If you know that you have history of water hemp, say for example, um, we know that from a biology standpoint, uh, that water hemp can certainly uh, emerge basically now, if it hasn't already, all the way through August and probably will it in this situation. Any comments about layering? Uh, we've talked about that for years, but I think that's still important in terms of making a, a, a pre-option here uh, but then coming back uh, a little bit later on. So if you're using like a group 15 uh, yeah. herbicide uh, in, in those situations with that, um, keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, and that's right. If you have a weed map and know, have knowledge of that, I think that's certainly important. I don't know any comments you want to have there. Yeah. So uh, like small seeded broadleaves weeds uh, like uh, Water hemp or lamb squatters can be controlled really well with group 15 or chloroacetamide herbicide. For example, uh, your um, like uh, dual two magnum, Zidua, uh, bound, um, I'm sorry, Outlook, I'm not, I'm sorry, uh, Outlook. So those are the herbicide you can definitely use uh, starting from uh, uh, pre emergence and some of them up to V3 stage, some of them up to even R1 stage. So, uh, so check your label, but if you can layer those herbicides, you'll get a little bit of prolonged control. So for example, you are applying your pre now, um, end of May. So you may get uh, two weeks to three weeks control of uh, uh, your water hemp from your pre now. So maybe in, um, like uh, 20th of June, uh, you spray your post-emergence herbicide and you tank mix that with one of those group 15 herbicides, then you'll get another month of control. So basically we are talking about around July 15, uh, until Ju July 15, you'll have a good control of water hemp. And after that, we'll rely on our soybean to close the canopy. So uh, hopefully by that time, most of the canopy will be closed or at least like 80% of the canopy will be closed by that time so that uh, water hemp, uh, will not emerge that much. So, but again, yeah, be careful because uh, we are just into the water hemp season because water hemp start emerging in late May and their peak emergence period is kind of in mid-June. And then it slowed down, but uh, but still there is a, a like fat tail, you know, that in the germination, and that can go on until early August or mid August, depending on the moisture and temperature. So um, that's why the layering is very important. Um, I'm going to share with the audience, and we'll have to talk through this a little bit uh, because we have part of this program um, delayed as a as a podcast. But uh, this afternoon at about two o'clock, those of you that are, are um, in a situation where you subscribe to Minnesota Crop News, or if you haven't, this is a kind of a shameless plug for that, um, please do. But if you Google and look for that, uh, we're, there's an article that's coming out. We're talking about targeting applications, uh, but we also talk about the exponential rate. And um, I just wanted to briefly bring up here for people on, the, on, on their screen and situations with that, 
a, a little bit about the timing because we're going to soon get into this early um, uh, post-emergence uh, situations uh, uh, with that. And, and if we, we talk a little bit about in Minnesota, just to remind people once again here, there are some significant changes uh, when we call, talk about the dicamba trait. Um, we do have a cutoff here if, if that's your goal on application for early season post-emergence. Uh, no application uh, is, can be made uh, on if we're talking about the Extendamax and Ingenia, Tavium, uh, et cetera, uh, made south of Interstate 94 after June 12th. We're on June 1st. Uh, north of Interstate 94, then the use is prohibited after June 30th. Uh, at 2022 here, uh, which is new for this year. The other thing, of course, is the temperature. There's a cutoff here if the air temperature in the field is at 85 degrees or above, or predicted to be that by the National Weather Service um, you know, at the start of application. Uh, that's another indication as well. Um, uh, on an enlist one and enlist dual, uh, we kind of went back and forth through the cropping season, uh, the winter season here in terms of what we could do geographically, but things have been sorted out uh, back again in here in Minnesota. So uh, on both of those products, um, we really need to talk about small weeds, Devlin, less than yep. six inches and uh, corn no larger than, than V8. Um, with that, you can use drop nozzles. Same thing though on soybeans, uh, when weeds are small, uh, you know, less than six inches. Uh, and then um, there are some applications should have, if you're gonna make two, have a minimum of at least 12 days in between. Uh, with that, any any comments about those products? So you've had experience with some of those in Nebraska uh, and so forth as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we are using this product for our research trial since last year in Minnesota too. So uh, uh, with uh, dicamba product, again, I would say be careful. You are uh, using the right nozzle and that is giving uh, coarse enough droplets so that you don't... Uh, 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 like drift on your neighbor's field. And also uh, be careful about the wind and temperature and all those factors. And um, same thing with Enlist, uh, but uh, 240 is a little bit better in the sense of drift uh, compared to Dicamba, but still it is also a growth regulator. So you have to be careful when you are spraying uh, 240 or Dicamba either. And um Another thing is we have seen those growth regulators, they works best if you um, uh, combine that with uh, Roundup or glyphosate type product, because then you are providing two sites of action instead of relying on one, maybe two. And if you, if you have opportunity or if you have uh, flexibility, maybe use uh, some uh, pre's like group 15 herbicide we talk about in the tank mix so that you get really good weed control, uh, uh, kind of season long weed control. And um, again, like uh, it is very important to spray them uh, like really smaller weed, though some of the label says less than six inch, but we don't recommend uh, going more than four inch tall weed because especially weeds like giant ragweed, we have seen last year, like when we spread them, uh, when they're like uh, about six inch tall, uh, it's hard to get control and you'll get multiple uh, growing point and that will be really difficult to control. I just want to mention too that uh, in the crop news, uh, it's been published, but it'll be actually be sent out on there, but you can still access it even if you want to look at it a little bit more in this morning going to the site. But uh, in terms of glyphosate, uh, just a reminder again, um, small and actively growing weeds, 
less than three inches in height is ideal here. Um, and it always works better when it's warm and sunny conditions um, on that. There are some um, uh, recommendations here over the top on corn from V6 through corn growth uh, up, up in terms of that, up in terms of emergence up through V6, um, drop nozzles up to uh, 36. And for soybeans, um, it's applying it, you know, emergence from from uh, from emergence up to bloom or up to uh, uh, the R1 uh, stage in terms of that. So uh, I think there are some opportunities here, but certainly um, you know, you want to have a good pre-programming here, as we can certainly see with the rainfall that we've had uh, uh, this this last year. So uh, those are be in, in terms of that. So those are some uh, just some aspects uh, with that and. Uh, I think, Devlin, you're going to be publishing a couple more crop news um, uh, in terms of that. We're going to send out a reminder, too, on the cutoff um, uh, in terms of when you uh, certain herbicides you cannot apply over the top of emerged crops. And so I want to remind you, people, really check your labels about that. Um, don't do any more harm uh, than you can. And you're already in terms of over the top situations with that. But keep in mind uh, that a lot of you can go over the top of Emerge. Some of them you definitely cannot for uh, corn and soybeans, but if you're not sure, check with your agronomist or your supplier um, as well. Anything else, Devlin, um, before we segue over to IPM um, in, in terms of that and field scouting that we should mention um, coming up in terms of uh, weed control or observations? Yeah, so uh, one quick thing, actually, Tom uh, would be the better person to talk about, but we got a question regarding uh, uh, rotating uh, crops with sugar bait. So I know it is a bit tricky, and since last year we are doing a project like when we are rotating soybean with sugar bait, and I know there are very limited choice of herbicide that you can uh, use, but still I would say like uh, there are still some options that you can use for um, your soybean or corn and you can rotate still with uh, your sugar beet. So uh, yeah, it, I mean, I know if you're rotating your crops with sugar beet, you'll have very limited choice of herbicide, but still like you'll get uh, opportunity of using like Duo or uh, Valor. So those herbicides still can be used because they have like four to uh, six months of uh, rotation restriction. So you would be fine using sugar bit next year. So in, in this situation, um, as we go forward there, just I obviously scouting, but from a biology standpoint, you know, the giant ragweed typically is one that's going to emerge early um, in the season. We oftentimes talk about making late tillage for help and control. So that may help in those situations. But if you're in a no-till or a more of a minimum till situation, some of those weeds are pretty big at this point in time. Um, check your labels maybe be beyond that. And tillage or something might be your only other option if you're beyond the uh, uh, weed height level, uh, for even for a, from a burn down standpoint. So uh, keep that in, in mind, I guess, as we uh, go forward. But Certainly, we could expect lambs quarters and certainly water hemp and, all, and a number of other small seeded ones to continue to emerge, um, even as we get into this uh, next week. We're talking maybe 60s and 70s. I think Devlin was still ideal for that uh, situation. And so in a lot of cases, um, uh, I, I guess at this point, it's, it's not late for pre. Yeah, no, I totally agree. But yeah, make sure uh, after June 15, you have to be careful uh, because you can carry over a lot of those herbicides to next year, corn or soybean or sugar beet. So 
after June 15, it's kind of a bit tricky, but still you should check the label regarding the rotation restrictions. So I think going forward, uh, please note uh, that the, the uh, uh, crop news that's coming out uh, here today or available, actually it's already published, but it'll be actually sent out this today, but there'll be some other ones um, shortly here that Devlin is working on um, as, as well in terms of uh, your recommendations. So Devlin, we're going to let you go um, at this point. I think you're going to head down the road to um, uh, Lamberton and get some of your research in because we're still farming, so to speak, like everyone else and still needing to get some things um, planted and, uh, and applied uh, with that. So thank you very much. Um, thank Anthony, you. You're, uh, you're on. We, we have a question, though, um, and, and it's a little bit, uh, it came in, uh, I think, somewhat directed to your area because you... Uh, are in that area from Morris and, and, you know, over to Glenwood and so forth. And certainly you've had your bout of weather. Uh, one question that came in about severe weather over the weekend, wondered about any recent uh, reports of crop damage from hail or wind. And uh, I also have a, a coworker. Um, I'm going to call her out. She's, she's a Liz Stahl and uh, she may have some other comments in Southwestern Minnesota, but uh, just wondering, where are we in terms of uh, crop reports um, and situations? Things were relatively um, decent over here in eastern Minnesota. We didn't have uh, as much of the damage, but uh, comments about that, Anthony, getting out there and scouting. Yeah, um, basically, the area I'm from, you know, Alexandria, Wilmer, and so on over to Morris, um, folks are watching the news. Uh, Fredo is on the news quite a bit, um, quite a bit of damage there when it came to buildings. When it comes to the crops, though, so far, it looks like we're relatively okay. Um, I'd say for corn, no, it's early enough. You know, I'm seeing about three leaf stage or so for a lot of it. That'll recover just fine. Um, the growing point is still below the ground. I would maybe be worried about diseases, possibly, when you get any sort of hail damage um, in any of our crops. But that's something you just have to be keeping an eye out for. That's something we can't really just predict what's going to happen. Soybeans, it really depends when you plant it. So a lot of our beans are very late, so if they even are in the ground yet. So basically, if they're underground, they're pretty protected. But if that growing point, basically that crook is getting hit by hail, then you could be looking at stand issues. But that just goes back to making sure you're going out and um, basically doing stand counts and seeing what you have, just like you do with um, any other issues, whether you had flooding or just general uh, germination concerns. Just a, uh, I think the only crop I'd maybe wonder about is alfalfa right now. Uh, some places that probably got beat up pretty good. Um, the fields I've been looking at so far haven't looked too bad. I haven't been in the heavy hail damage area yet, but that's one where maybe you're going to be harvesting a little early if it looks like you have a lot of material that you might lose otherwise. Uh, in that case, though, that's probably a bit more of a niche area. Right now, it's just keep an eye on your fields. If there's heavy hail, you may have some decisions to make there. You know, the old adage um, oftentimes is um, with from a hail uh, insurance and hail adjuster standpoint is to wait a number of days, yep. you know, five, six, seven days or whatever. But uh, prick primer, I mean, as you mentioned, in terms of corn, that growing point below the ground until that five, six leaf uh, uh, stage and situations with that. So if that's intact, <clears throat> you know, you sometimes you can get bruising and so forth and, you know, on a bigger plant and, and, and that'll cause you problems in terms of uh, um, disease, bacterial, and so forth. But that's usually the case 
uh, on larger or larger corn, not on the small emerged corn. Uh, I guess in soybeans, uh, typically is, you know, if you, if you cut off below those cotyledons on the bottom of the plant, uh, below that, that plant's dead. Uh, yeah. There's no chance on that. But if, if the cotyledons are there, there's uh, an axillary nodes there. And then the first on the unifoliate leaves uh, where regrowth can occur. So um, you have to give yourself some time on, on that. But typically that's the situation. But fortunately, not a lot of, of, of other, uh, other things in terms of that. But that's usually the case. Um, uh, but going out in the field, uh, I can, and whether you're looking out at those observations and, 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 and so forth, you know, I was talking to Bruce Potter, uh, yesterday and he was saying, you know, when, uh, he first started out, you know, he read the books like everybody else and started to make a, an M pattern or an X pattern. And then he found out, well, I don't necessarily really have to do that. I just have to get out there and start looking around, but any comments about some of the, the basics and, and, and tools and, uh, stand counts besides everything else. And then, uh, what else are we should be looking at in terms of, um, black cutworm in some places, uh, in, in damage here early season, but, uh, those types of things. Um, uh, I know, I know, I noticed Liz before, uh, stall put on the screen here, resources on hail damage on corn. Um, yeah, it's in the box here down below. So Anthony, I'll, I'll let you visit a little bit about that and I'll keep track of some questions. Sure. <clears throat> So what basically what we're looking at for scouting is, you know, a lot of times they'll say, oh, be sure to go out and scout. Well, you know, there are a lot of details behind that. And let's use insects as an example. It definitely applies to diseases and weeds too, but they are often not just evenly distributed across the field. You're going to have clumps of them in some places. So Dave, when you mentioned, you know, doing like an M pattern or an X pattern across the field, that's at least an attempt to get you maybe away from your field road or the corner of your field further in the field, get a little variation in there. And really that's what matters it. You know, if you're worrying about what type of pattern to use um, that's, you know, just something to take a stab at it. But as long as you are getting some good coverage across your field, that's where you're going to get a good average of what's going on, regardless of what type of pest you're looking at. Uh, some can be you know, a little more evenly spread across the field. And I'll talk about that just a little bit later here, but you mentioned black cutworm. That's uh one of our main insects right now we're keeping an eye on, Bruce Potter has his black cutworm trapping network. A lot of information on that. If you do want to look that up, um, that should just show up pretty quick on Google. And in that case, a lot of counties had said could flight around, oh, end of April. And they're developed just enough now where we're going to start to see cutting, you know, about now and about to, oh, June 20th or so. So that's kind of our scouting window right now. But then what do you do when you're going out there? In that case, we're looking at just stand counts. If you have about, oh, two to 3% of plants defoliated, that's what we're using as the threshold. That's one of those examples where if it's just a little corner of a field, if you have heavy defoliation there, but the rest of your field is clean, that's one where, you know, that average, ideally, if you're sampling well, that average should actually be a lot lower. But that's just one thing to keep in mind is, you know, maybe you're going to spot treat an area of a field, but a lot of times we're making whole field decisions. That's what you have to figure out for your farm. When it comes to one of our other pests, especially we're lining up just right for timing on that one right now is alfalfa weevil. Now that one's just been starting to show up in terms of larvae in the field. And that's one of the other things for scouting tips is pay attention to life stages. So I mentioned black cutworm before, that's one where as it gets older, it's actually um, less, it has less potential for damage in that case. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, maybe jumping ahead your economic thresholds yep. on both of those, uh, maybe 
mentioned alfalfa weevil. If you're out there, yes, you, you find them and so forth, but you know, when do you have to be concerned yet to this spring? Maybe in the same segue back on black cutworm in terms of amount, but. Yeah, uh, a lot of times those thresholds are variable. So we mentioned black cutworm, that's generally two to 3%. Uh, when you get to later in start, of the field, of the two to 3% of the, of the plants cut in the field, yeah. correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then that changes when you get up to about 5%. So your field can tolerate more when you have basically larvae that are close to going to adult stage where they're not going to be feeding anymore. And it's the same thing for alfalfa weevil in that case. So we have um, you know, whole tables of economic thresholds for alfalfa weevil based primarily on plant height. In this case, a lot of the fields I've been looking at for alfalfa are about a, oh, a foot tall or so. So we're early vegetative stage, not quite ready for mowing in that case. And alfalfa weevil, you know, just starting to feed out there for the larvae. We can find plenty of adults. Those aren't feeding at all, though. So when you're taking a sweep net out there, a lot of people are saying, well, I have a lot of alfalfa weevils, but it's been very few larvae so far. But I believe we have a, um, a uh, crop news. I don't know if, uh, Phil, if someone could put that up, but there's a link of one of our crop news that delved into the uh, economic thresholds and had those tables in here more recently um, in terms of alfalfa weevil. But you can go and count. You don't need necessarily need a sweep net. Yeah, exactly. Um, basically what I do for alfalfa weevil and our recommendations are, I might take a sweep net out there just to see if they are present. In that case, it's little green larvae. Uh, they actually have a black head capsule. There are some lookalikes that uh, have different color heads to them. So that's one thing to keep an eye out for. But yeah, just sweep a little bit if they're present. All we do is uh, take about 30 plants in a field, take a bucket with you and just beat those plants on the bucket. Uh, just cut them and uh, basically as many of the larvae off the plants as you can and you get a count that way and that's how we get our threshold so it's pretty straightforward doesn't take too long to go out and check if you have a couple fields at least you might have quite a few fields to cover in a day that can add up a little bit but that's one thing to manage a little bit too is your scouting time how long you're going to be spending in fields and planning ahead a little bit for that so things don't catch you off guard yeah we just uh put up the alfalfa weevil uh, link um, in our in our chat and certainly going to the crop news. But I guess going back to black cutworm, I mean, there's a limit here. We're talking about one, two, three leaf corn being more susceptible than larger. So right now is the timing um, is really important, um, you know, to, to go out there if you if you have an opportunity. Uh, same thing, a lot of alfalfa might be getting close to being cut, so forth, you know, and, and watching for the, you know, regrowth because we could still have that um in, in terms of that now bruce has talked a little bit about in the fact that maybe jumping ahead here to small grain uh we we have caught a lot of army worm moths this year um as well as black cutworm but just for people that are growing uh spring wheat anything you know in, in terms of that but that's an insect that we are sometimes uh, need to be concerned about in terms of grass yeah so true army worm is kind of similar to black cutworm in the sense that it can be very variable where they show up and where we have significant issues so I know uh, thinking about the black cutworm trap network, we didn't have heavy flights, but there were a couple counties that showed up um, with high counts there. Same can happen for true armyworm. So that's one we're definitely to be keeping an eye out in your fields, especially small grains. So far, we haven't had too many issues, at least for insects there yet, but that could easily change this year. And you know, last year we got off pretty easy aside from grasshoppers. The weather cooperated for us this year but that can easily switch and another pest can show up when the conditions are right. So that's one where, um, yeah, true armyworm, keep an eye out for that. 
that's definitely the main one on the radar for small grains right now for early season at least there could be some pests coming up a little bit later in the season but we do have some of our um, ipm scouts in western minnesota at least this year so we will have some information coming out on additional small grain pests and diseases too I, I think it may be a little early for corn borer moth, uh, but you'll keep track of that as well. Uh, when that we, I know we have a lot of BT hybrids out there in the landscape, uh, but not all. Um, we have conventional hybrids as, as well. So, and I believe that you uh, put together, Will, again, some a little ma ma uh, maps on tracking, et cetera. Yeah, so there's uh, two things we do there. One is our annual fall survey. So we did that you know, last September, October, and uh, very low counts across the state for European corn borer. Uh, Bill Hutchison does have a blacklight trapping network where we're monitoring for European corn borer as well. And so far, yeah, it's too early to really uh, be seeing much action there, but they will be picking up in the near future. So we'll have alerts if there are outbreaks to that. And we keep an eye out for potential resistance to BT2, which has occurred in uh, parts of Canada, not documented in the U.S. at least so far. So at least if we can keep resistance to some degree for European corn borer for a while, that'll definitely be helpful. I think the last thing is that there is a, a north central uh, group of folks like yourself, Anthony, and there's some videos on field scouting, um, identification uh, in, in situations with that. I know you can mention that or where they can go perhaps and find some of that information if, uh, if they're really looking at scouting their, their family or uh, say, for example, in a co-op or a consultant, but just briefly mention that as we close here. Yeah, so that's the, uh, through the Crop Protection Network, we have the Virtual Crop Scout School. And that's varied uh, in terms of crops. We have some of our main ones from Minnesota, corn, soybeans, alfalfa, and there's some small grains in there too. And you can pick it out by disease, insects, weeds, and what you need to do for scouting those. A lot of times it's a tutorial video or presentation on kind of how we go through that whole process a lot of times from the start pretty much. So it's a good opportunity there for people to um, kind of either relearn things a little bit or start out from the beginning. Yep. So uh, you should be able just to uh, search for that online crop protection network, virtual crop scout school, and that will show up. You probably will need to register, but it should be free. So it's just to get access to the um, recordings there. So it's, rec it's recordings. And if they have any trouble on that, they can always email you directly, uh, Anthony as, as well. Well, I think we've approached the end of our um, end of our time here and um uh, I, I look forward to uh, next week, uh, Liz Stahl I will, and uh, Ryan, I believe Ryan Miller hopefully will be uh, with you. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about some of the challenges, uh, I think, in terms of the state of Minnesota. Um, there are some different things that we're going to be covering, um, obviously everything from prevent plant to um, some of the other uh, areas that we'll still be uh, dealing with in terms of weed control um, and any updates on, on insects, plant pathology as well. Uh, so don't forget to go to the uh, uh, end of the uh, program here. We have the four question survey. We want to thank again, uh, the Minnesota Soybean Research and Promotion Council and the Minnesota Corn Growers Research and Promotion Council uh, for their uh, support of these webinars, uh, which will also be available as a podcast uh, later on through the program. So any last words, Anthony? I think last thought is, Soybean aphid, a little early for it still. Won't be until about oh end of June they might start showing up coming from the buckthorn under the soybean. But be ready for that one too. We probably will have to be scouting pretty heavily for it. Uh, the winter didn't kill all the soybean aphids out. So they will be back. Whether it's actually damaging levels or not, that's all going to depend on the year. Okay. 
we'll keep monitoring the uh, early season weed control, take advantage of the pre's uh, where, uh, where applicable, but we'll soon be into post-emergence and this more rapid weed growth as we go along, we'll have the longer days. So thanks again for attending. We appreciate that. We're gonna sign off uh, from our end and, and we'll see you again next Wednesday morning at uh, eight o'clock for another installment of Field Notes um, in terms of what's happening in Minnesota crops uh, and join us then. Thank you very much.